Money is not a banknote or what is called fiat currency nor credit cards or bank debt or any of the other things considered to be money and used as currency by this world. Banknotes are what most of us are familiar with and most comfortable with. It used to be the most visible type of money and what most people think of when they think of money, but banknotes and all of the other monetary forms we use really ought to be considered types of currency. Currency is the physical manifestation of what is not actually physical, and that is money. Currency permits money to have a physical form. But currencies are not real money. Money is a unit of account. The closest approximation to money is numbers in an account book. Think of money as a unit of measure like inches or galleons. No one buys inches before they can measure a length and while people do buy gas, they do not need to purchase the units gas is measured in. But for some reason we have become accustomed to buying the units by which value is measured. This is like using rubber bands as foot rulers. One can understand why things are as they are if we look at the origination of money. Before the introduction of fiat currencies there was little need for a visible form of money. Few people produced anything for sale or trade. People created the few things they needed by themselves, for themselves. Trade was informal. If a hunter was particularly successful, he shared his kill with others, with the expectation he would receive the same back again, from them, at a later date. This was more akin to an insurance program than trade. Whatever trade there was, was based on reciprocation more than specialization. When money originated it was based on an available trade item which was easily apportioned or scalable, such as beads, shells, beaver pelts or small metal discs. Gold and silver, and to a lesser extent, copper, seemed perfect for doing double duty as coinage. They were, it seemed, perfectly scalable, especially if given a numerical face value. And a great deal of the metal was turned into coins over the years. But there are two problems with bullion as coinage. If the bullion value exceeds the face value, the coins are removed from circulation. Coins can and are debased by shaving and using alloys. As trade increased and the need for coinage increased, the bullion value would increase until the bullion value exceeded face value. Ultimately no coins other than debased ones would be in circulation, as all good coins were being hoarded for their bullion value. It is difficult to trade venison for pottery because it is difficult to correlate values. Neither are scalable. But creating a unit of exchange or an infinitely divisible commodity to facilitate trade creates more serious problems. The range of possible currencies vary from gold and other bullions to various commodities that are naturally produced in small units, such as shells, cigarettes and eggs, to commodities that are by their nature infinitely divisible, such as salt, down to artificially scalable items as is the case with paper currencies and bank accounts. But the money we can see are not true forms of money. If you can see it and exchange it for another commodity, it is a currency. A currency is a medium of exchange with five attributes. A currency has a physical form or substance, can be profitably hoarded or depreciated, suffers from cyclical swings, and is considered property owned either by the state of private interests. We have listed three forms that currency takes, but all share the same problems. It is not possible to create a unit of measure that defines itself. The value of gold, cigarettes, and the debt that provides money for bank accounts has a value relative to other commodities. Where is the standard that measures the value of the domestic currency? 
The reality is that currency has a floating and relative value. This free-floating nature of currency causes risk for the market. To own or use money poses a risk and thus there is always an element of fear that comes with participating in the market. Money ought not represent a risk to the user if it is to serve as a facilitator of trade. Risk is especially concerning when dealing with futures. If I purchase oil for my business three months in advance, what will the downstream price be at the time I take receipt of the product? I might purchase a thousand phones or other electronic components from an offshore supplier. By the time I take receipt of the components, the ticket price may have changed substantially. Businesses deal with these situations on a day-to-day -day basis, but that does not mean they are necessary or desirable. Prices are bound to change due to demand. But the cost of money ought not be a factor driving up the value of money relative to other commodities. The problem of background inflation is a problem when determining pricing and the greatest fear-inducing element when considering long-term commitments. The question is would you expose yourself financially to people whom you do not trust? For example, would you leave your wallet by the sink in a public washroom as you use the facilities? Would you give a stranger cash for an item he was to deliver a month or year from now? These situations represent risk and would not be a situation anyone would want to be in. The fact people buy insurance indicates how little trust there is. Indeed, the amount of insurance you have is a good indicator of how little you trust other people. In fact, the people who do not buy insurance do not buy it because they do not trust insurance companies, not because they have faith in their fellow man. This observation is not based on the idea we ought to trust people. Most people do represent a risk to your property. But we ought to recognize that without faith, community is not possible. A faith-based community or community of faith is called a trust. Faith builds trust because when one lives in faith, one does works of faith, and these works bear fruit. The fruit of a work of faith is trust and trust is a fruit or consequence of faith. This is the important point to take notice of. When you perform works of faith, they bear fruit, and that fruit is an organization called a trust. This organization that is built by works of faith is called a trust here, though the Bible refers to it as a church. The world has corrupted the biblical organization and turned it into a meeting hall. To create a trust requires Christians form faith-based organizations that perform works of faith. This means we reduce risk by reducing sources of risk. The primary source of risk, at least the one we can most easily deal with, is ourselves. Our purpose in life, as workers in faith, is to reduce risk. The greatest source of risk from our perspective is us. The solution is to work on reducing the level of risk we represent to others. However, this is a risky business. Risk is not reduced by negative acts. No one can reduce the risk they represent to others by inaction. For example, one might let off fireworks during a dry spell increasing the risk of fires. Setting off fireworks increases risk and threats of loss. But not setting them off does not reduce the level of risk your neighbors face. A business might be facing bankruptcy. If you rob them, they will go bankrupt. But you cannot go to the business owner and inform them their risk of bankruptcy has declined because you have chosen not to rob them. To reduce the level of risk you represent, requires you to rob them and then reduce the risk by reimbursing them for any loss they incurred due to the robbery. 
the only feasible way to reduce risk for others is to increase their faith. Not doing anything does not make you less of a risk. Your inaction increases their risk. Inaction makes you a potential burden. Not to mention, inaction means you are not providing what you could have provided. The only way a person can reduce the level of risk is by positive actions or what the Bible calls works of faith. Works of faith create the fruits of faith or what the Bible calls the church. Due to historic factors a priorian calls this organization a trust. The church is the believer. But the believer is not a quantity but a quality. The church is not defined by the numbers of believers but by the substance that is faith. As the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3 now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In works of faith, we build the church as the people of God. We do not want to see the number of believers grow, only, nor the building where they meet get bigger, only. We want these things, but as a sign of still greater things. We want the substance of faith to expand. The substance of faith is trust and trust is an organizational model, the fruit of our faith created by works of faith. Works of faith create value. This value can be quantified. But the works of faith is not just the absence of risk for faith does not allow us to be inactive. Value is not created because we did not burn down the forest. Value is created by turning trees into lumber and lumber into homes. It is this value added to assets that reduces risk and creates value. It also gives trust the preferred shares that back the issue of our money. The left erred in attempting to create money out of assets. Money can only measure value added as per the labor theory of value, not value inherent. Inherent value belongs to God. Works of faith do not encompass the works of the Creator. Our works of faith add value to assets. But to determine this category of value and to utilize the labor theory of value, the believer must be divested of what does not belong to them. The best way to reduce the risk we represent is to follow the Bible's instructions. Sell what we have and give the proceeds to the poor. But this is only doable if believers sell what they have to a trust, that is, to a community of believers. It is by selling our commercial assets to the trust that we create the trust and reduce the risk we represent. We are paid by the trust in units that represent equity for the goods we have entrusted to the trust. This equity-based accounting is the money trusts use as a unit of account. Money can be and is, no more than entries logged in an account. Account credits are used to purchase goods and services from the trust. Money is a measure of value, and all value is produced by labor, or what is called works of faith. Value added to assets is called equity and money is a measure of the equity created. So if your work created 500 units of value then you produce 500 units of equity. These units monetized become the currency of the trust. Let's assume you donated $500 worth of assets to the trust. The trust represents the assets available to the faithful. By adding value to these assets, one adds value to the community. This value is represented by preferred shares. A donation of $500 is exchanged for 500 preferred shares. When issued as a currency preferred shares is contracted to prefers, designated by the symbol. 
trust assets are available to any member to work on or work with. If the trust has the tools and equipment used by plumbers, then members are able to do plumbing jobs. Jobs can be assigned by a dispatcher who works for the trust. More plumbers can join and other modules specializing in other areas can be created. A fully modern economy can be created by works of faith. Works of faith eliminate all risk including that represented by inflation, unemployment, taxation, and theft. The bottom line is, money measures and represents real value not its own value.